are presently in a series right now entitled, Hello, My Name Is, and this is God's, how God self-identifies Himself. And uh, we have been looking at the names of God, the various names of God. God revealed Himself in a variety of names because there was one, no one name or single name that fully encapsulated who God is and who He is for us. And in fact, the word Jehovah is uh, one of the names that we, uh, we know him by. It's an Old Testament uh, uh, way of saying it. And that word Jehovah actually appears 6,823 times in the Bible. And, uh, but anyway, there's these compound names, Jehovah something, like we've been looking at, like the names Jehovah Rapha, which means God is our healer. And be, the reason why that's so important for us is because we're all sickos. Come on now. And we need healing. And so the Lord says, hey, I got you covered. I am your God, your healer. Last week we looked at Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is our banner, or he is our uh, victory. When, they, when you go into a battle, they would raise the banner high. And so God's like, Moses said of the Lord, he's like our banner lifted high in the, in the midst of warfare. Why? Why is this important for us? Because we were born into cosmic warfare that's been going on since Satan was cast out of heaven and God created humankind. And all of us are in a battle for life. And God says, you can't do this in your own strength. You can't do this by your own ingenuity. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so every battle we face, God is our answer, and he is our victory. Today, I want to talk about the name Jehovah Shammah, or Jehovah Shammah, and that means that the Lord is there. Everybody say, the Lord is there. So we're going to be looking at this today. There's two verses of Scripture that I want to read to kick this off. And the first one is found in Ezekiel 48, 35. And this is what it says. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubics. He's talking about the new Jerusalem that's going to come in the future. He said, all the way around shall be 18,000 cubics. And the name of the city from that day shall be Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Everybody say, the Lord is there. Now, I want to refer now to Revelation chapter 21 because this is John's, what John saw and what John heard about Ezekiel 48, 35. It says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He shall dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and, and he will be their God. And so this Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is there. It's about the presence of the Lord. I like to think of it like this way. The Lord will be there for you. He's there for you. Turn to somebody and tell them right now, God is there for you. Go ahead and tell them. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you that you literally are there. You are here. And I just pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would give revelation to anyone of us, wherever we are right now in our life, 
of this truth and of this reality. You are welcome here. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. So let me just kind of give you a little bit more of a context of Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35. That's the last chapter in the last verse of the book of Ezekiel. That's how Ezekiel's book ends. God is promising to Israel at the time who were, had been carried away into captivity because of their rebellion against God. He, had been, he revealed to them that he was going to restore, that there was coming a future day when the Lord would rebuild and restore Israel and to restore the place where God would abide with his people and with anyone who trusted in him forever and ever. And he said, it's going to be so wonderful, it's going to be so great that it won't be known as Jerusalem anymore, it will be known as the city called God's there. And that we will be in the presence of God, literally, actually, and see him face to face and enjoy him for eternity. That talked about a future thing. And so it was a future promise of unhindered and unbroken fellowship in the presence of God forever. But before you get to the end of Ezekiel, the, the verse that we read there, if you read through the book of Ezekiel and you read it, you see throughout that Ezekiel had these provocative visions and revelations that God showed him about how the glory of God was, it first left the temple and then it left the city and then it left the region and just went away. And it was a picture that God was saying that my presence, he was showing the people that my presence is exiting the scene, so to speak, because of your rebellious heart, because of your waywardness. I'm withdrawing my presence. But by the end of the book, God restores hope, and he brings hope back to the people, saying, but I won't be gone forever. I'm coming back. I want to be near you, and I want you to be near me. How many of you love that promise of God? And so that's what that's where we come to Revelation. John said, when I saw the revelation of things that are coming, God is showing us that I, the thing that is most important to me is that you be with me and that you know that I'm with you and I will dwell with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. So presence was big. Now, theologians will use this expression. We live in what is called the already, not yet dimension. We live in a time right now where we are already experiencing Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. Verse 3. In reality that hasn't happened yet. There is a future new Jerusalem and a heaven that we're all going to be a part of forever and ever. Can I get a good amen out there? But even though in reality in the future sense that is yet to take place, we already live in the dimension of God's presence, that God is with us. John said of Jesus in chapter 1 in the Gospel of John, he said he came and he dwelt or literally tabernacled among us. Jesus said before he was ascended into heaven, he said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So we know the presence of God, even though we have yet to see it or experience it or know it in its fullest dimension, we know that positionally God right now is in heaven. 
The heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. We know practically or maybe even more theologically that God is everywhere present. He is everywhere at the same time. This is what he said in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. I love these words. God says, am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I'm far at the same time. I'm here and there at the same time. He goes on and he says, can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? We know that positionally God is in heaven. We know theologically that he is everywhere present. But listen, relationally, God's right here. God's in my heart. God's in your heart. Paul said in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? So there is nothing more important or significant to you and I as the believer than to know God's presence, to really know the presence of God. To experience God's presence is not only what he desires for every one of us, but it is really the key to a fulfilling and victorious life here on earth, to know the presence of God. David said in Psalm 16 that in your presence there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God. This is the promise of Jehovah Shammah. God is there. And I just want to say it again. He's there for you. He's there for you. So, I want to talk about the presence of God today. And I want to do this in answering a couple of questions. If God is there for me, and if God's presence is real, first of all, why don't I feel the presence of God? Let's talk about that for a second. Anybody in the room ever felt the presence of God? Anybody here ever gone through a time or let's call it a season where you didn't feel God's presence? And the question then would be, how do you know? Like some people feel the presence of God and it comes across in a tingle. Aren't you glad for the tingles? Sometimes you feel the presence of God because you well up with tears. Sometimes you sense the presence of God because they sang your favorite song. And when they sing the song you hate, where's God? Sometimes we feel the presence of God when we hear a message or when we experience some kind of a breakthrough in our life. For some of us, the presence of God isn't really even about the feeling aspect. It's just the knowing. I just kind of know. I know that I know that I know. I don't know. But I, here's what I know about the presence of God. Sometimes we feel it, and sometimes we don't. And we're not alone in this. The psalmist said this. Psalms 88 says, But to you I have cried out, O Lord. And in the morning my prayer comes to you. O Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? God, I can't feel you. I can't see you. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm doing all the good Christian stuff. I feel like I should feel you. But I feel like you aren't here with me. You don't know what I'm going through. You're not paying attention to me. It's almost like you're ignoring me. God, I don't feel your presence. And I want to tell you, if you feel that way, you're not alone. 
It happens probably in reality to all of us, but it certainly happens to the best of us. So let me just talk about a few reasons why we may not feel God's presence. First of all, it's because I think sometimes we confuse our feelings with our faith in God. I want to remind you what the Scripture says. First, or Second Corinthians says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Come on, read that with me. For we walk by faith, not by sight. But here's what we do a lot of times. We know that Scripture, but we often walk by feelings. We often walk by sight, what I see, what I feel, what I experience, more than by faith. And we put more stock in my feelings than the truth of what God says. But I, I, I got to remind you today, I don't want to sound political, but your feelings are not factual. They are not the truth, always. And so we have to come back to this reality that my feelings, how I feel about things is different than what I believe about things. And where my faith, we over, I think, and I can tend to do this, I know myself, I, can, I tend to overemphasize the tingle I feel rather than the faith that I walk in. Like if I don't feel it, if I don't feel it in me, we, uh, I think we overly sensationalize, or sen- uh, I, I don't even know if that's a word, sensationalize, the feeling or the, the, the presence of God in our lives. It's if, if I feel it, he's with me. And if I don't, well, where, where is he? I think we're like the people of Jesus' day who are constantly saying, Lord, show us a sign, show us a sign. And Jesus said, an evil generation seeks after a sign. But show me a sign. God, God, just give me some clue you're here. Give me some clue you care. Show me a sign. And when he gives us a sign by grace, we're like, oh, don't you just feel God in the house? But if he doesn't give you a sign, where's God? Come on. Feelings or emotions oftentimes are the product of our perceptions, how I think, or they are the result of people that I can't control, or they have to do with what I ate the night before or the weather I woke up to today. You can't trust your feelings. Feelings are not the facts. We put our trust and belief in what is true, not what in what we feel. And here's something that you can believe in. Here's something that isn't based on your feelings. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says that God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now that is either what God either meant that or he's lying to us and we should close the book and go home. God is with you even though you don't feel it. In fact, in the original Greek language, there's a double negative in that sentence when he says, I will never leave you. It literally reads, no, not ever. Will I leave you? Hallelujah. Come on. God means it when he says something twice. Amen. Are you out there this morning? Amen. Here's another reason why we don't always feel God's presence. It's a heart issue. It could have to do with what's going on in my own heart. 
When you came to Jesus, I got good news to tell you. When you came to Jesus, you got a brand new heart. You got a heart transplant. Did you know that? The Lord said, I will give you a new heart. And I was made a new creation in Christ Jesus. But, listen, even though I have a new heart in Christ, that doesn't mean that now I don't have to be diligent in guarding my heart. We still have to guard what goes on in our heart. Where God sits, where God dwells, we're still supposed to diligently keep our heart. Even though I have received a new heart. And so and if, in, if in my heart I'm not always in a good place, this does not mean, listen, this does not mean that Jesus left you, but that there's a blockage in my own sense of his presence. Amen. And... I know this is true because Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips. But where's their heart? Where's their heart? Read it. But their heart is where? Far from me. Their heart is far. How can I feel the presence of God sometimes that Sometimes our feeling of God's presence has to do with the farness of our own heart. Not that God has left the scene, but something in my own heart is going on. Now, the other day I did a, I did a, I skimmed through the New Testament to see what the Bible says in the New Testament about our heart. And here's what I discovered. This is in the New Testament. You ready for this? This isn't in the Old Testament. You got what I'm saying, right? What I'm about to tell you is in the New Testament. Just so you say, well, don't be so legalistic. Just want you to know, here's where our hearts can get to. They can become dull. They can become deceived. They can harbor unforgiveness. They can become hard. The heart resists the Holy Spirit. It can resist the Holy Spirit. You see what goes on in the hearts of all of us from time to time? Where's God? Well, it's not that God's left, but where's your heart? What are you harboring in your heart? Oh, I'm not done. Lust, our hearts can be full of lust. Our hearts can be troubled. Our hearts can become unrepentant and unwilling to change. God, where are you? He's there, but where's your heart? Amen. Here's another one for you. It happened to Judas, and it happened to Ananias and Sapphira. People that were very close to Jesus and who claimed to be Christian. Both of those, or all three of those individuals, the Bible said, the devil put it in their heart. Amen. 
The reason why sometimes I don't feel God, not because he exited stage left, it sometimes has to do with what's going on in my heart. So we don't always feel God's presence, sometimes because it's an issue of our own heart. Sometimes it's because we confuse our feelings with faith. And then the final thing about to answer this question, what is, why don't I always feel God? And I think sometimes it's because God wants to draw us closer to him. And I just want to say, ouch, that's the one I don't like the most. I can deal with my heart issue as long as I wake up to the, I got heart problems. But this one is like, oh, really, God? Now, again, I want to remind you, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. But sometimes God doesn't always come and touch my feelings. And there may be a place where God is saying, I want, I'm, I want you to want me really badly. And I want to get you out of this place of comfort that you live in and you dwell in. And so I want you to to draw near to me. And so he'll maybe withdraw that sense of his feeling of his nearness, though he is there to move us from that place of comfort. Because here's what I've understood about the place of comfort in my own life. I become more reliant upon my performance rather than his presence. And you know what? God doesn't share his glory like that. He doesn't want you to become so comfortable in your life that you start getting into this motion and mode in your life where it's all about, well, I'm doing my checklist, I'm doing my Christian thing, I'm going through the thing, I'm, I'm hitting all the main points. God's like, no, no, I want deeper relationship with you. Amen. Come on now. And so he, he reserves the right to like, allow you to feel this lack of feeling to move you. He hasn't left you, but he's moved so that you move. Amen. And this is what God was doing with the nation of Israel. God never left. He, he gave a picture of my glory departing But God never really left Israel, but he allowed Israel to go into captivity. But he said, it's in this captivity, this is me moving. I'm moving because I want to move you. Because when you get into that place of captivity, there's going to come a time when you're going to really need to seek me. Because I need you to come back to me. Amen. And this is what the Lord said. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, he says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, that's what God is really after. He's after all your heart. Not a portion of it, not a Sunday morning part of it. Not when things are going good part of your heart. But things when things aren't going so good, when you can't see God, when you can't feel God, when God doesn't seem to be near. He says, I want, you may be there because I'm wanting you to seek me. Amen.
Now, there's probably a lot of other reasons why we don't always feel the presence of God, but I think some, these are some of the big ones. We confuse our feelings with faith. It may be a heart issue. It may be something going on in me. Or maybe God is just saying, I'm drawing you closer. And all of us could stand to be a little bit closer to him, I think. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, that one was just for you. Go ahead and tell him. Here's the second question I want to answer. This is the the second and last question. Where's God when I need him, though? Where is he when I need him? I think that's the big one. Sometimes it doesn't seem like God is always there. David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He said, this is in Psalms 139, it won't come up, but he said, I can go to heaven and you're there. I can go, I can go to hell and you're there. I could take up the wings of the morning and fly high into the sky. You're there. I could go down to the deepest parts of the ocean and you're there. He said, even if I'm enveloped by utter and complete darkness, that doesn't hide me from you. The darkness to you is like light. In other words, David was saying, I have come to realize and understand that you are Jehovah Shammah. You are there. Wherever I am. Wherever I am in my spirit, in my heart, in my marriage, in my life, you're there. You're right. Where? Where's there? Wherever you are. You're kidding me. Even on your worst day, where's there? There. Wherever you are, that's where he's at. And I just want to break this down and talk. I, I just want, I want to encourage some hearts here today. Here's where, here's where there is. God says, I'm there. Here's where it is. When I'm lonely, he's watching over me. When I'm lonely, when I feel isolated, when I feel abandoned, when I feel forsaken, God sees me He knows me. He knows right where I'm at. You are never alone when it concerns the Lord in your life. The psalmist felt this way. Psalms 102, verse 6 and 7 says, I'm like an owl in the desert. I'm like a little owl in a far-off wilderness. I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on a roof. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people right now that feel really lonely. It may have to do with loneliness of having not a significant other in your life. It may be loneliness in a crowd of people. Everybody around you seems happy, but you feel alone. You may feel alone in parenting your children because you're a single mom or maybe a single dad. You may feel alone because you're not a part of a church or a part of a group of people who really genuinely care about you. You feel alone. People feel alone. And it was so interesting yesterday. I knew that I was going to be bringing up this point, but I went to the men's breakfast, which is why every man should be there. 
on the second, is it second? I will sometimes miss, but I don't know why. But anyway, I'm mostly there because it's good food. Amen. But Mark Ryan spoke yesterday, and he hit this point. And I didn't even, we didn't, we didn't compare notes, but he was on this point, and he brought up a statistic that pre-COVID, if you were to survey the United States of America, I believe this was nationally, 76% of people that live in this nation have some feeling of loneliness. Since COVID, post-COVID, the number has gone up to 80%. You can be married and feel like you're alone. You can be a part of a church and feel like you're alone. But I'm telling you today that if you're lonely, if you feel isolated, abandoned, forgotten, forsaken, God's watching over you. And the the place that I get this from is in the story of Hagar in the book of Genesis. Hagar was Sarah's handmaiden or servant girl. And uh, Abraham and Sarah had been given a promise And God was taking a long time to fulfill the promise. Anybody know that feeling? Come on. And uh, so Sarah had a brainy idea. Sleep with my servant girl, have a baby by her, we'll claim the child as our own. Talk about using and abusing a person. An innocent servant girl being used at the hands of Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of the faith. And she said, go ahead and lay with her and we'll have a child by her because God isn't obviously coming through in his time and the way he said he was going to come through. And so Abraham's like, well, I mean, if you're forcing me to. And so she got pregnant. And as soon as she got pregnant, Sarah got envious and jealous and angry and said, get rid of her. And Abraham said, you get rid of her. And so she made her life miserable to the point where Hagar just took off into the barren wilderness, this destitute little girl, all alone, no one to care for her, no one to provide for her, but the Bible said the angel of the Lord passed that way. That angel of the Lord was Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus And basically, a long story short, the Lord came by that young lady and said to her, go back to where you came from. And he basically spoke into her, I'm going to do a great thing in you. I'm going to do a great thing through you. And the Bible said she called that place El Roy because God saw me. And I have seen him who saw me. And I just want to remind you today, if you're in that place where you feel alone, and when you feel alone, you don't feel anything sometimes. You don't feel presence. You don't feel like God cares. I'm just telling you, he's watching over you. He's got you. You're in his sights. When when I'm worried, anybody in the room ever been worried? Here's the second thing. When I'm worried, God is working for me. God is working for me in me. God's doing stuff. When I'm worried, when I'm fearful, when I'm stressed out about things, God is doing things behind the scenes. He's not only doing things in me, he's doing things behind the scenes of me. God is doing, he's up to something good. 
And uh, we, we see God moving in this way. He's trying to build us. He wants us to know that there is no place that you go through that I'm not there and working with you. He says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, Fear not, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God is working on your behalf, even when you can't see him. He sees you, and he's working. What's the famous scripture? We all love to quote it. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And again, I want to remind you, we often do. He didn't say that everything that happens to you is good. But he did promise that he's working all things together for the good. Oh, come on. Can I get a good amen out there? He's working. He's working even when you can't see him. When you feel like the flood waters are coming over you, when you feel like you're not going to be able to pay those bills, when you don't know if things are going to come together in your life like you've been hoping and dreaming and praying about. Don't be worried, but if we are, I want you to know, he's working. And the reason why Paul says, pray instead of being worried and being anxious isn't, well, God will, if you pray, God will show up. He's saying, Operate out of that place of peace knowing that God is still God. Pray. Don't worry about it. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. Being thankful for what? God is still on the throne. He's still working it out. He's still God. He's not shocked by our problems. Amen. God is working. And I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they wouldn't bow to the idol. And uh, so they, the, the, the law was, if you don't bow, then you get burned in the fiery furnace. And they stood before the king. And the king said, bow. And they said, we won't bow. And they, they said, okay, well, you're going to get thrown in the furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, And Abednego said, we believe God is going to rescue us. But even if he does not, we won't bow. You know what that shows me? They're not worried. They believe God. They believe God's got it worked out. They believe God's working things out. But even if he doesn't work it out the way I anticipate, I still know that he's God. And we won't bow, and I won't surrender, and I won't allow stress to fill my heart. And You're not going to get me into a place of fear because God's working. God's working. He's working in me, and he's working for me. How many of you know that God has to work in you? Did you know you needed a lot of work? I just want to remind you that you need a whole lot of work. Because you're a piece of work. And God is working. But he's also not just working in you, but he's working in areas that you can't see. So if you're worried, just know that God is working. Amen. Here's another one. When I'm running, where's God? 
He's waiting on me. He's right there waiting on me. When I'm ignoring God, anybody ever ignored God? Oh, all of you are perfect. When I'm ignoring God, when I'm disobeying God, i.e. when I'm running from Him, you know where He's at? He's right there. He's waiting. I'm not saying He likes it. I think it grieves His heart. I think it slows down your progress. But He's there. He's in the running. He's right there waiting on you. This is what Isaiah said. Isaiah 30, 18, he says, Therefore the Lord will wait. Why? Because he wants to be gracious to you. And then when he's gracious to you, he will be exalted so that he can have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Oh, listen, he's just. And he said, blessed are all those who wait on the Lord. Listen, one preacher said it like this. If I work, God waits. But if I wait, God works. So, when I'm running away from my call, when I'm running away from God's plan, when I'm running away from God's word, when I'm running away from my responsibility, when I'm running sometimes from my marriage, when I'm running from ministry, when I'm running to other things to satisfy, when I'm on the run, God is there waiting. He said in Isaiah 30, I want you to see it again, the Lord will wait. He wants to be gracious to you. He's waiting. When I was growing up, This is way back in the 70s. We used to have special singing in church. Anybody remember the days of somebody coming up and singing a special song? And there was a song that was sung, and it had the words, and I don't remember the, the name of it, but it says something like, he was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. Come on, how many thank God that he was there waiting on you? Waiting on me, waiting on us when we're running, when we're running away. And you can be a Christian and be on the run. You can be just like Jonah, a prophet of God, whom the Lord said, I want you to go to a place and to a city and speak my word. And Jonah ran, not because he didn't want to say what God was saying, but because he knew God would be merciful and turn things around. And he wanted those people to be crushed and destroyed. But anyway, he ran. He was running from God. But I want you to know something. He never left the presence of God because when he got on board that ship, the Bible said the Lord caused a storm to come. And then later it says when they threw him overboard, God caused a fish to swallow him up. God was there the whole time. That he was running, God was at every intersection, every interval, every place God was there. God never left the scene. And I want you to know today, That if you're running, it's no good to run. Knock it off. 
Stop. Fall to your knees. Surrender. You don't want to get swallowed up by a great big fat problem. Amen. You want to do what God wants you to do and be where God wants you to be. I know that. And so, but if I'm running, if I'm running, God is waiting. That's where he is. Where's there? There. In your running. In your worrying. He's there. In your loneliness. Here's the final thought I want to share with you today. When I'm struggling, God is walking with me. When I'm personally struggling, God is there step by step through through everything that I'm going through in my life. Psalms 116 verse 9 says, I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. As I live on this earth, I am in the presence of the Lord. Psalms 138 verse 7 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. How is he able to do that? Because he's right there with you. He's right there with you. He doesn't leave your side. Now, we all struggle. And check me if I'm wrong. We all, are, we all struggle with temptation. Three of us. We all struggle with temptation. We all struggle with temptation. I, oh, let, me, let me just say it this way. You struggle with temptation. I know you do. Amen. It may look different than mine, or it may look different from the person sitting next to you, but it is what it is. And you know where he's at when I'm being tempted? In the heat of the moment? He's right there. The last thing you feel is that he's right there. But the thing you need to know more than anything He's right there. Even Paul said it like this, and I'm not just talking about sexual temptation, but Paul said to Christians, do you know that when you lie with a prostitute, the Lord is right there. He said that in the Bible. You take your body into the room of a prostitute whenever you engage in that kind of activity. You don't need to know that God has departed you. You need to know you take him with you wherever you are. And this is really good news on the other side of that. That in the moment when I feel like I can't say yes or say no or whatever the temptation is in my life, he's there. He's there. And when I fall, because James said we all stumble, who's the one that helps me up? He's right there, helping me up. We're not excusing anything, but listen, if he exits the scene when I fall, what hope do I have? I don't have a hope. I need to know that he's right there. He's with me. Amen. Isn't this good? This is good news. When I'm Struggling with personal temptations. He's there. When I'm going through a troubling circumstance or a trial in my life, he's right there. He's right there. He's in the middle of it with you. He's the one. 
He's your counselor. He's the one that's going to help you navigate how to, how to navigate this problem in your life. Instead of ignoring him, instead of running away from him, instead of running off and doing your own thing. No, stop. He's there. He's in the house. He's right in the middle of it all. He's right there. Or when you're being tested. Sometimes it's not a troubling problem. It's not a temptation. Sometimes we're, our, our life and our calling has been put to the test and God gives us a challenge. And it's a test. Will we trust him? Will we step out of the boat? Will we go with him? Will we do what God wants us to do? But sometimes we're like, no, I can't do it. It's too big. It's too hard. I could never do that. I could never achieve that. I could never take that on. Well, why not? He's right there. Amen. He's right there. I love what God said to Joshua. He said, I am going to be with you every step of the way in your life. Wherever you put the sole of your foot, you're going to get it. Why? Because I will be with you every step of the way. And that's his promise to you and I today. That's what it means to have Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. Where's there? Where are you at today? That's where he's at. Amen. Amen. Julie, would you come? Let's just, um, let's just bow right now and, and just take a moment. Can I have the prayer team, those who are going to pray for people? Come on up, if you would. Today... What is your need today? Where's God when you need Him? Where is He? Today, if you're dealing with loneliness, isolation, abandonment, forsakenness, perhaps being used and abused by others, or if you're worried, fearful, stressed out, or maybe you feel like you're running from God, you're, you're, you're not settled, and you know that you're in a in a place where you don't need to be right now or you're struggling. Maybe you got something that's been drawing your heart away from God. Whatever it is, God is here today to reveal His presence to you. And I don't know if you'll get a tear. I don't know if you'll feel a tingle. I don't know, I don't know how the presence of God will manifest, but I believe God wants to manifest His presence in your situation today. So I'm just going to invite you all to stand with me, if you would. And I'm going to pray, and we're going to be dismissed. And when I'm done praying, you're, you're free to go. But if you need prayer, I want to invite you to come up and receive prayer here today. I think God wants to touch some hearts. I believe He wants to heal and restore He's here for you. He's always been there, but He's here for you today. He's here for you right now. So let me pray. Father, thank You that You are Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. And Lord, we know that in the future, we're going to literally see You face to face. But right now, Lord, that's when we really need to sense your presence.
we need your presence because in your presence is fullness of joy. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, for every one of us as we leave this place that we know that you are with us, that you see us, that you care about us. You're working on our behalf. Lord, I pray that everywhere we go, the people sense the presence of God with us. That they encounter the living God who rests on us. So that wherever we go, people feel God, see God, encounter God. And their lives are changed. I pray, God, that we would leave this place victorious with that understanding. That we are a special people. We are a peculiar people. We are called to show forth the praises of him who have called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I pray, God, that, yeah, Lord, that people would experience the presence of God when they encounter us. And it's not about us. It's all about you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen.